Welcome to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, where it's all about, you guessed it, grant writing and funding made easy so you can increase capacity, grow funding, and advance your nonprofit or freelance mission. Now, let's hand it over to your host, grants expert and author Holly Rustic, so you can increase your funding and drive impact. Changemaker, Holly Rustic here with Grant Writing and Funding. Thank you so much for dropping by today and tuning in. Today we are going to be talking to one of my heroes. All right, so very, very exciting. And as you know, we've been having amazing people on the podcast. Yes, we will continue to do so in 2020. And I really wanted to kick off this year with one of the guys that I have been following for almost a decade. Yes, and not mean like I'm not stalking him. <laughs> like that was just side note, disclaimer, set aside. But I have been listening to his podcast. I have been reading his blogs. You know, just anything that he does, I am a part of. He has uh, the Rich Lit Society, which is a, an online book club. I'm a part of that. I've taken his Money Mind Academy course. And it's just everything he does, like I'm a part of. I love what he does. And he is just amazing. I've also been able to see his journey and the transformation that he's undergone And it's just really cool to see that. But one thing specifically that really stands out for me about Sean Croxton, (laughs) and I'm totally going to introduce him in a second. One day I was listening to him several years ago when I was walking on the beach. Like I said, I've been listening to his podcast forever. He actually has three different podcasts. He has the Quote of the Day show, which is amazing. It's a daily motivational podcast. He has the Underground Wellness, which is a wellness podcast. It's been number one in that category forever. It's amazing. And he also has The Sessions, which is great on different motivational, you know, just speaking with different people and success and who are doing amazing things in the world. So you are definitely going to want to check out the podcast that he has. Very, very awesome. And I have all the links in grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash 106. So definitely check it out so you can get more information. One of the things that really stands out to me is I was taking a walk on the beach listening to the podcast. I'll get back into my story here. And I remember him saying he remembered the day when he sat down. He had just paid off the last penny to his student loan. And he sat in his house, all of his debt was paid off, he looked around, everything in his house, you know, was paid for, and he realized his imagination had really been the thing that had paid for all of the things around him, had paid off his debt, etc. And I remember listening to that, and at that point in time, I think that's when he became my hero, (laughs) at that instant when I heard that. Because I was like, I want that. I want my imagination, the things that I create and put value into the world to be what pays off all of my debt, to be what funds everything around me. So when I look around at things, it's just not something I bought, but it's something that my imagination has paid for. And there's such a difference with that. There's such, you know, there's this thing where you put real value into the world. It's not that you've just been paid for something that you've done for somebody else's business, but what you create actually then makes a living for you. And I know a lot of you nonprofit consultants out there, grant writing consultants and freelancers will be like, bingo, yes, that's what I want or that's what I love what I do, right? Even you nonprofits out there, everything that you create, your projects, everything you're doing in the world, that is making a difference. And that really comes from your imagination. So fast forward several years and I went for a walk on that same beach because that morning I had paid off that last penny to my student loan and was completely debt free. 
because of what I've put into the world and what my imagination has created. And so I had to go back to that same place and like <laughs> have like this little like kind of a thank you. Um, thank you to Sean. Thank you to, you know, people that are out there that are inspiring that have inspired me then to actually get to where I am. So anyways, I just wanted to share that little bit with you today before we go live with him because um, just to let you know the background that I have behind Sean Croxton and listening to him. (laughs) But the other thing I wanted to also say is that money mindset is important. So really keep this in mind as you're listening to the podcast because every week we talk about, you know, it might be nonprofit strategic planning, it might be how to write grants, it might be all these things behind how to be organized. But overall, it's how to increase your income. It's how to get money for your projects, right? It's how to get money for your business. So when we're looking at this today, it all comes back to that mindset. Where is your imagination? Are you being creative? You know, do you have any things that are blocking the money coming into your life? And Sean is not going to go into a woo-woo kind of thing. He's going to give you the nerdy, like, neural pathway kind of discussion today. So you know it actually is scientifically happening to your brain, to your mind, all of these things he's going to talk about today. And he's going to lay it down in very simple terms that you can understand and that I can understand. So it's going to be amazing. He's totally outlined the steps that you can take to really change your mindset so that you can use your imagination so that money and abundance can come to you that your you know nonprofit doesn't have to go through this 24 7 virtual fires like we're never gonna get enough money and poverty mindset and all of that that is so familiar with nonprofits but he is giving you the steps on how that can change so I'm just gonna get into it but I just kind of wanted to introduce that to you and to also let you know how amazing this podcast was for me personally to talk to somebody who's been, you know, a virtual mentor to me and who's really been a hero and continues to be in my life. And I just wanted to share that with you. So thank you for listening and allowing me to have this platform so I can do these amazing things and bring in these amazing inspirational people for you and to share them with you so that you also can be inspired to really live out your true purpose and to live every day completely your optimal Anyways, love you guys. And remember, if you want to watch this on the YouTube channel or if you want to read the show notes, get any links to Sean, definitely jump over to grantradiantfunding.com forward slash 106. All right. Welcome, Changemakers. My name is Holly Rustic, and you are at the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast. And I'm here to help you grow capacity, increase funding, and advance mission. And I'm super duper excited because today on the podcast and the YouTube channel, I have a very, very special guest. And I've been talking about him now. If you're a part of my members group, we've been talking about him and you guys gave me some questions, but this is Sean Croxton. Sean is the podcast host of Quote of the Day show, but he also has a huge repertoire of other things that he has done. He also started Underground Wellness. He was a podcast host for this top ranked health podcast. And when it's at the top of the game, man, he wanted to switch over into something else. And just as a little background on this, I've been listening to Sean for, I guess it's been almost seven years now. And <laughs> so it's like been really exciting. But when I, he was talking about, I was listening to him on underground wellness and I was like, okay, I got it. I'm, my health is good. And then he started talking about this money mindset stuff. And I was like, I'm interested in that. 
And before you know it, he opened another podcast, The Sessions, which was really, really awesome. He had Bob Proctor on, some other great forward-focused thinkers and money mindset. And then he's now transitioned into Quote of the Day, where he curates just amazing, amazing inspirational speakers, but also people who really can talk about money mindset. They can talk about just like, you know, how to reframe and reprogram your mind but through inspiration, through creativity, and through like practical tips, which I absolutely love. So this is Sean Croxon. He has, once again, Quote of the Day podcast. It's a top-ranked personal development podcast. And you can find him at www.seancroxton.com. Thank you so much for being here today, Sean. Thank you very much, Holly. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited. Sean also runs Rich Lit Society, which is an online live. It's a live interactive book club, which I love, Sean. Like, I can't believe, like, you give an hour and a half of your time every single week to live discussions on what we're actually reading. And you give homework, like these downloadables. So it's not like, oh, I just read the book and I'm not really processing it. I'm trying to get to the next stage. It's not that at all. It's like, I can read a couple of chapters, do the homework really probe, get into what I'm reading. So I really learned from that and then jump into the group and you're there with everybody else to discuss it and how we're actually growing and learning from this reading. So Rich Lit Society is also a great thing that you offer. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. Um, yay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, but what I wanted to say, and I was like, okay, so I was in the group, I'm listening to all this money mindset. I'm listening, you know, to how we're reprogramming. And I thought, Boom, epiphany, Sean should be on the show on the Grant Writing and Finding Podcast. Because what we talk about is money. We talk about money all the time and it's almost like this two-edged thing, right? On money and then people who are freelance writers, so they need to make money. So it's like this interesting thing. But before we go into that, before you, because I know you're going to be talking about money mindset today. And I love, I would love for you to talk a little bit about the science behind it. But it's not like you just woke up with a silver spoon in your mouth and were like, okay, I am totally going to be rich my entire life. And that's my, my thing from here on, you know, like this, this was a process for you. So can you kind of share your story about that process? Like, like my life process or yeah, like life in, like, in general? Yeah. Like where yeah. if you grew up or, you know, like, did you always yeah, have well, this money, money mindset? Like I can, you know, make Well, money. I mean, I, I did. I, I don't think I've, uh, I... I've always had the entrepreneurial spirit. My dad was an entrepreneur. My mom worked at the phone company. So I did have that entrepreneurial influence in my life. You know, seeing my father, he sold, he sold shoes Monday through Friday, but on the weekday, on the weekends, I should say, he sold like weird stuff, like knockoff <laughs> guests and Gucci sweatshirts and um, told bootleg stuff and Rambo knives and stun guns and butterfly knives. There's all this random stuff he would sell at the at the swap meet. And if Oakland. only eBay was available then, right? Yeah, seriously, he would have <laughs> killed it. I never thought about that. My dad would have killed it on eBay. But um, yeah, so just, just watching him sell product and, you know, seeing that big wad of cash in his back pocket, you know, at the swap meet was very inspiring to me. And, you know, as, as kids, you know, up until the age of 10, you know, we had it pretty well. We had it pretty good, my brother and I, my mom, my dad. And then when they got divorced, things changed dramatically. You know, we went from being pretty well off to not really having anything to being like, you know, below the poverty line. And so I got to see mm. the contrast of, you know, doing well versus, oh, 
oh, we're going to go get some donated food today. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That type of thing. Yeah. So I was able to see both sides. And, you know, when I started my own, like fast forward over a decade now, when I started my underground wellness business, I, there, I saw so much opportunity there. Like I was like, oh my God, this is a great idea. And people have loved it from day one, making YouTube videos and stuff like that. And there, again, there was such an opportunity to make a lot of money doing it, but there was just this, this block, you know, mm-hmm. where I just felt mm-hmm. like I didn't feel congruent about it. There was just something that was getting in my way. Even when I was talking to people who just like really wanted to do health coaching with me, just, just really wanted to work with me. And I would just get to the point in the call where I had to, you know, ask for the sale and I would just lock up and stutter and do all of that stuff. And I wasn't fully owning my worth. And there was a buddy of mine who I was complaining about my situation with. And he was like, man, I got, I got you. I got something for you. I'm going to send this, this audio file to you. He sent it over. And I remember the subject line of the email was listen to this now. And I think now might've been in caps and I listened to it. And it was a talk with Dr. John Martini. He was being interviewed and he was talking about value determination and finances and your hierarchy of values, your ladder, we'll say, when mm-hmm. it comes to your values. Which, what do you value highly and what do you not value so highly? And are, and are your highest values in line with your goals? And what I learned from that talk was a couple of things. Um, number one, my highest values were definitely not in line with my goals especially financially. In the grand scheme of things, my goal to earn a significant amount of money just was not that important. Also, something he said was that your income will always be in direct proportion to the quality and the quantity of the service that you provide. And it really got me thinking, like, I, I'm doing high quality service. I'm a really good health coach. I'm making great YouTube videos, doing a phenomenal podcast. So the service is there, but it was mostly about the quantity. I wasn't helping enough people in terms of selling them them something. You know, I was always fascinated in my high school and early college years by the recording industry, the music industry. Because every Mm -hmm. Tuesday when I was a freshman and sophomore in college, living in the dorms, every Tuesday I would walk up to the record store and I would listen to the new albums that came out that day and I would, you know, buy whatever and I'd walk back to the dorm and, you know, that album would cost me $13. And I would Mm -hmm. think like, wow, this album is going to go gold or it's going to go platinum. If it goes gold, then that means they sold 500,000 of them at $13 a piece. If it goes platinum, that means they sold a million of them at least at $13 a piece. That's insane. Because they only had to record the album once. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They only yeah. had to record it once and they sold it to a million people without doing any extra work. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I want to get into something like that. And so that was the, the quantity part of it. How can I help more people get healthy at that time at the same time without any extra work? How can I do it without mm-hmm. my physical presence? And that's where that, where everything really started for me. And there was other, there were other aha moments that I had around that time. And here's one that I know a lot of people deal with. It was the us versus them mentality. And what I mean Mm -hmm. by that is like, your relationship with money has everything to do with something called your consciousness. 
success consciousness or a poverty consciousness. And many of us who were raised with a poverty consciousness, we learned that there were a certain group of people who were very well off, who were financially free, who were rich, who were nothing like us, and they were inherently greedy, bad, evil people. And the light bulb moment that I had around that time was, oh my gosh, if my business crushes it the, no, the way that I think it can, and I know it can, then I'm going to become one of them. Oh, and I think that the was, greedy people. Is yeah, that what you're thinking? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and people are going to judge and condemn me the way that I have judged and condemned them for pretty much all of my life. Oh, and good. so, yeah, and so that yeah, was, that was a tough one. And that all goes back mm -hmm. to the programming. And so, again, this whole kind of, this whole thing of money mindset just really started with those aha moments, values, as well mm -hmm. as the quality and the quantity of the service I provide and getting past that us versus them mentality. I think that's so huge, you know, Sean, because us versus them is a lot in the nonprofit world too, right? Like where we see, you know, a lot of nonprofits, they look at bigger nonprofits or they look at the corporations and they're like, we want money from you, but we're kind of better than you because you're greedy and all you want is our tax deduction. You know what I mean? And there's like, yeah. there's that kind of weird kind of tangled up mindset behind that. So how did you get past that? Because I know you're past that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I know you, you're very giving. You're one of the most giving oh, yeah. people that I know. So yeah, like, uh, I mean, you've built schools in Guatemala and, you know, you've helped, you know, people all over the world. Like you've even helped, uh, the, I know I was listening to one of your podcast or podcast interview and you said there was a lady that was um, killed in La Jolla and you, you, you went on a GoFundMe page and you just like went ahead and helped out with the, the kids. And I was oh, yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's huge. Like what a heart. So now you're, you're past that. You're giving, you're in a 1%, you know, kind of thing. And you're like, I'm proud of it because I can give. So how did you kind of break that mold? I, I think I, I got past the us versus them part by just applying logic to it. Yeah. You know, and I talked about this last week in our Money Mind Academy class. It's, uh, you know, how do I know this for sure? There's a question that we can all ask ourselves around these limiting beliefs we have. And okay, so how do I know this for sure? Is this always true? So in other words, are rich people, are all rich people greedy? That no, all rich people aren't greedy. And I think that when you just think about it that way, I have like five or six questions for this, but that's, that's the lead one. Like, are all rich people greedy? No. Well, how, okay, another one. How do you know for sure that rich people are greedy? Have you talked to them? You know, have you had an experience with them? Like, how do you know this? Oh, you probably know it because mom or dad said so, you know, or the media is saying so. And usually it starts like before the age of seven, our brain waves, it'll take me a while to kind of give you this whole thing, but our brain waves, our brains are set up in a way that we don't have the full ability to reject information that's coming in. And so mm -hmm. the beliefs and the ideas and the opinions of the authority figures in our lives become accepted by us as our beliefs, ideas, and opinions. I say beliefs, ideas, opinions, bios become mm -hmm. our biography. So other people's bios become our biography. It becomes the story of our life because it becomes those core beliefs that run us and at the same time dictates the way that we perceive the world. We see the world through a filter of somebody else's beliefs, ideas, and opinions. And it happened so long ago because now we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, that we don't even realize it. 
It's completely mm -hmm. unconscious. And our brain, what it likes to do, because we've accepted those beliefs and ideas and opinions as truth, the brain likes to reaffirm our truth over and over and over and over and over mm -hmm. again. So even though the corporation who's writing you a check, maybe you think, maybe they're, they're, they're writing you a check because that's really something that's part of their values as a corporation. But right. you or you know somebody else out there may distort it. And you'll mm -hmm. distort it and say, oh, they just want the tax write-off. Well, that's right. just your brain and you trying to prove yourself right, proving these beliefs and ideas and opinions right. And you know, we need to kind of step back and ask ourselves, why do I believe this to be true? Is this a belief or is this a fact? Is mm -hmm. this disputable or is this indisputable? And if it's disputable and we can say, no, not all rich people are greedy, that leaves an opening where you can make a choice as to how and who you're going to be when you become financially free. Are you going to be the greedy rich people? No, I'm going to be the generous one. And what you'll find is like I have a lot of rich friends, rich people in general, but not all the time. There's always going to be exceptions. There's a lot of greedy, broke right. people as well. I know a yeah. lot of greedy, broke people. <laughs> Me too. But in general, rich people are some of the most generous people and nicest people you will ever meet in your entire life. And that's why they're rich. I love that. I love that. So it's, it's a lot of that changing mentality. And, and it's interesting, Sean, because I kind of have a similar backstory as far as um, my dad was very wealthy living in a penthouse in Toronto, but not paying child support. My mom, we're getting groceries from the, the Catholic nuns. You know what I mean? So it was like that whole, oh, rich people are, they're not giving. They just want to, you know, so it was that whole battle. So that's, those are a lot of the things that I had to reset my, my money mindset on too, right? To be like, it really does go back to when I was a child and what I heard and what I experienced. And I feel like when I've gotten to that point, I've been able to reformat so much of my thinking right. and really be empowered, you know? So I think that's like such an important thing that you teach about because that's really where you can make like the how, right? So you're explaining the why. The why is because we're just kind of, we're listening to this, we're saturated with this information that may not be true, but the how is like, how do you, you know, get over that is, mm -hmm. a, you know, th that's a technique, but do you have other techniques that people can utilize? Yeah, applying um, logic to it. You know, I, I read in the book, um, your limiting beliefs are typically hidden from consciousness because your limiting beliefs don't really make any sense when you really, really think about them. You know, we do like an hour of this in Money Mind Academy, where by the time we're done with that hour, like people are like, oh my God, I couldn't believe, I can't believe I believe that. Like that doesn't, yeah. like that doesn't make any sense that I believe that because it's, we only had to talk about that particular belief for about 90 seconds for the person to realize like, oh, that's not true. I just accepted it to be true and I never really ex examined it. It had gone unexamined for so long. Another thing to do is to, you know, just the same way that your brain was programmed because there were certain dominant brain waves going on in your brain during those first several years of life, you know, and it be, your brain accepted all these beliefs. What you can do is like visualization, meditation, because when you do visualization, you just sit down, you get calm, you actually turn down the frequency of your brain waves and you get yourself down to something called the alpha 
brainwave state. And the alpha brainwave state gives you conscious control over your subconscious mind. So when you're in that state and you visualize the person who you want to become, when you visualize your goal, actually you living inside of your goal, and you feel as if it is true, there's a thing about your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is rather gullible. Your subconscious mind doesn't really understand or it can't tell the difference between a real experience versus something mm -hmm. that you are vividly imagining in your brain. And so mm -hmm. when you get quiet and you sit and you get your brain waves down to that alpha state and you visualize, you're literally creating brand new memories, brand new programming in your brain. And when you do that consistently, you do that twice a day, you know, 10 minutes a piece, 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes right before you go to bed, you are doing some serious rewiring there. Now, in between, during the day, what you want to do is when these negative beliefs come up, for example, somebody approaches you to sell you something. We all get sold. We all buy stuff. But right. maybe we had an experience when we were young and your dad might have been gotten over on by some salesperson. So your dad had nothing but bad things to say about salespeople for the rest of his life. And now since you have that experience wired into your brain, now you're using that experience from the past to color mm -hmm. the present. And so now you're in this present experience and you're completely seeing it through the lens or the filter of a past experience from long ago. So when that happens or when more limiting thoughts or self-talk come up, you literally say to yourself, cancel or you literally say to yourself next you unplug mm -hmm. that thought from or the electricity from the thought because that thought is literally electricity running through your brain it's a neural pathway that gets activated electricity so cool. fires right through it and you what yeah. you can do is use your conscious mind to unplug that to say oh i'm thinking like a person in lack consciousness right now and this is not serving me anyway this is actually creating my reality Let's stop and let's consciously redirect our thoughts to something of abundance. Every day, in every way, I'm becoming more abundant. Every day, in every way, I'm becoming more abundant or more prosperous or whatever it may be. Just shift that line of thinking. And what you'll do by using the combination of the visualization sessions, plus canceling and redirecting your thought during the day, you will imprint or literally sprout new neural pathways in your brain. Neurons that fire together, wire together. So when you keep on, on redirecting, you keep on visualizing, you're making those neurons fire together and neurons that no longer fire together, no longer wire together. So you're actually eliminating and pruning off those old limiting pathways that you've been running for so long. It takes time for it to happen, but it'll work. And a lot of people will say, I don't want to sit down. I can't do that. I don't want to sit down for, for 10 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, you're literally doing nothing. You're literally doing nothing for 10 minutes twice a day. Like, how easy could it be? You don't have to read a book. You don't have to write anything. You don't have to run anywhere. Like, you don't have to do anything. You just have to sit down for 10 minutes and visualize your life being the way that you want it to be. And that makes all the difference, believe me. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah, you don't have to spend $5,000 on a treadmill, but like, you know, it's, free. It's, like it's, it's free. free. It's easy. Like, yeah, anyone can do free. it in any condition. Like, yeah, yeah, I love that. And that's, that's really a part of it too. It's like rewiring. And I remember in college, I heard about um, the dendrites in the brain. Right. And I remember that just like totally, 
I was like, ooh, like, and then I realized like there are these different pathways like you're talking about. And that was just something that was so big to me, but it's not woo woo. You know, some people might Science. be like, this is getting a little bit woo woo, but yeah. um, athletes have been using this for like, I don't even centuries probably, right? The different types of visualization and, yeah, and I mean, um, all different types of people have been doing this, right? Yeah, there, there's, there's nothing woo woo in my opinion about the neuroplasticity of your brain. Mm-hmm. about and that that's one thing that i've really tried hard to stay away from is the the woo-woo stuff like mm-hmm. when i got into personal development and got out of the health space like i was like i want to do this different from everybody else yeah. like if i say something woo-woo if i say something that's just your standard self-help platitude i want to be able to back that up by some science by some yes. neuroscience by some psychology by some quantum physics like i want to know what part of your brain is being activated and what's turning off and what's throwing you off. And so, yeah, we haven't really talked much about that yet, but again, that visualization stuff is not woo woo. That is real science of rewiring the, the pathways in your brain. And that's what I love about it too, because I'm very analytical and very science driven. So I resonate with how you teach. And I also resonate really with how you um, bring in other sources so it's not just like, I'm coming up with all of these things. It's like, no, it's backed up by research. It's backed yeah. up by this author, this author, this scientist, this researcher. You know what I mean? So you, you bring all of that in too, which is really, really inspiring. All right. So yeah, you're welcome. So another question is basically on the flip side then. I want to kind of talk about the flip side because this is another myth I see with nonprofits, with people who are just getting into grant writing is, oh my gosh, there are like millions and millions and millions of dollars out there, which is true, but it's so easy to get. It should be like, I should get it like that. I should be able to open a nonprofit. And within a month, I'm making the same salary that I did at my corporate job. And, you know, every, like the, the feeling of entitlement because there's money out there and it's not, you know, you have to have a strategy in place. Sometimes it takes time, right. To develop these things and to really get your game plan together. Like any business, really yeah. a nonprofit is a business. So can you kind of speak to that opposite kind of mentality? You know, to, to me, this is really simple. I, I, I have no room in my life for entitlement. You know, if you're not willing to, to, to work for it, if you think it's going to happen overnight for you, it's simply not going to happen that way. You know, we have to have realistic expectations for ourselves. If not, we're going to become highly disappointed. Yes, there's a lot of money out there, but I don't, I'm not sure. And I don't really know this space so well. I don't think corporations or whomever it is are just like throwing money out the window. You know, they want to make mm-hmm. sure that their money is going to a place where it's going to be taken care of and used the way that they expect it to be used. And so, you know, anybody coming into anything with a sense of entitlement is probably going to find themselves highly disappointed. Mm-hmm. If they believe in themselves, that's something different. If it's just a faith and belief in themselves or their, themselves, that's cool. But I think there's still a sense of realism that they need to have in that space to be able to succeed really Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. because a lot of times they're like i'm so passionate about this cause so everybody should be and everybody should give me money because there is a need and yes there is a need but it's not everybody's mission or priority you know so to kind of speak on that as far as like mm -hmm. that's like when um you know certain causes will stop me at the mall and, uh, you know, I'll yeah. be like, no, man, I'm not, I'm not, well, why? I'm not interested. Well, well, why not? I'm like, you know, it's just, it's just not my cause. Well, why isn't it your cause? Don't you know? Da, 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 da. I'm like, 
there's other causes that I support and I can't support every cause in the world, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's why I'm not supporting yours. I got others that that I'm doing. And they still give me a hard time as if like their cause needs to be my cause. It's like, yo, everybody's different. Everybody's got different values. And um, yeah, don't feel entitled to to have my money just because you're, you know, telling me a story about something. I'm going to have choice, have the power to choose. Right. Right. And, and that's really, too, like what I try to tell them about, like foundations, corporations, the federal government, even, you know, it's really about what they're interested in. And you have to appease to their priorities. Right. Yeah. yeah. And because... speak to them. Speak to them. I'm sorry to cut you off, but to speak no, to no, them in terms, speak to them in terms of what their values are, because, mm-hmm. you know, companies, I'm going to guess, again, this isn't my space, are going to write a check for causes that line up with their values. And so mm-hmm. if you can speak, and this is almost like, um, you know, I'm talking to a, a husband uh, whose wife hasn't supported him with whatever endeavor he's going to do to earn more money. I'm like, you got to speak to her and her values. Like, what does she value and how is she going to get more of that by you going out and doing your thing? Because if you don't speak to somebody and their values, they just don't hear it because it just sounds like a big, you know, how is this helping me? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how is this, if it's not helping me, usually or helping someone and that person is typically not interested in, in supporting you. Right, right. And that just kind of lends to, I wanted to kind of ask you about that too, because as an influencer, you know, you're, you're definitely an influencer and you're in a space where you can give, right? So how can, like, I'm not saying everyone should like email you and <laughs> John, help me. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying like, how do you kind of relate to that conversation? Is it something you actually go after instead of having people come to you as far as what you want to give to? You know, and, and, and just kind of on the flip side of that, how would nonprofits then maybe seek influencers who do have similar values, like you're saying, to maybe be a part of their cause? Can they even do that? Is that something that you um, I'm not sure if I can answer that question, mm-hmm. really. I know for me, like, education is really important. So everything mm-hmm. that I support and have supported has something to do with education or children. And I'm sure, to me, children can be literally any thing to be honest but um you know it's something where I don't really talk you know I I remember one time I wrote an email to my list about um I was selling something as an affiliate and the money that I earned as an affiliate was going to go to a kickstarter for a real food food truck several years ago and Mm -hmm. you know we might have brought in five six thousand dollars and went off to the food truck and I tell you for like a week or two everybody and their mama was sending me emails right. about their Kickstarter, their GoFundMe, right. whatever like, it may Oops. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so like, I'm making a point now to not really Everyone. talk about stuff <laughs> yeah. like that because literally like people get like butthurt about it. They get yeah. offended. Well, you, you supported that one. Why don't you supposed to support mine? It's just like, I can't, I can't, we can't mm-hmm. do this for everybody. And that's, that's another reason why, you know, a lot of well-off people tend to keep their donations private. You know, and so when we say rich people are greedy, da 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 da, and this is where I go back to, well, how do you know? Like, how do you know? Like, have you seen their books? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Are, are you their bookkeeper? Do you know where they're donating money to? Because usually people who are doing well, you don't even know where they're, they don't tell people on purpose because right. they don't want to be mm-hmm. hit up for money all the time. And so, um, yeah, it's just really important to, to keep that in mind when we're calling, you know, well-off people greedy. You don't know. 
Yeah. And I, I love that you say that because it's interesting to say, you know, you, you don't know where they're giving to and they might not say anything because then they are getting hit up constantly. And that's not, and that goes back to that entitlement mentality. Like, even if you ask me, you shouldn't expect me to say yes. And I get this a lot too. I get it a lot from nonprofits who are like, Holly, I follow your stuff. I love what you're doing, but we have absolutely no money. Would you write our grants for free? And I'm like, I got to put money on my, I got to put food on my table still. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not how I operate. And I do like to give, and sometimes I will take a pro bono client, but that's something I decide. And that's something I, if I can do that, and that's something, you know, that I'm really passionate about. And, you know, so it is this interesting thing, but they do get offended. So it goes back to that entitlement, I think, and um, that entitlement mentality. So, yeah, I mean, is there some way that you could say, how do you take no as it's okay and, and, you know, still don't get hurt about it or don't feel entitled? Like, how can you kind of get past that? Life is, you're going to be rejected in life. You know, every no is closer to a yes. That's just how it is. If you want to be in any type of industry, you're going to have to learn how to get better with the no's. If you're going to ask a question, you have to be ready for whatever answer is coming back to you, period. Mm -hmm. And another thing is not to take the no's personally. You Mm -hmm. know, sometimes this is what we have to get better as, as human beings is just saying no. Like if it's not a hell yeah for you, if it's something that after you make the decision, you're going to kick yourself or when the day comes where you have to like carry out and carry out that commitment. You're like, Oh, come on. Why did I agree to this? Mm-hmm. We do that way too much to ourselves. Yes. And we yes. really, really, really need to stop and mm-hmm. just be willing to take the no. And if it's, if it's, and you also like asked a buddy of mine to, to help me out with a project recently. And, you know, he helps me out with almost everything. And he was like, no, I mean, honestly, this doesn't light me up. No, I don't want to do this one. And like for mm-hmm. a half second, I was like, asshole but then i was like no this is just this this isn't what he wants to do and it's okay if it's something that didn't light me up and he asked me about it i'd have been like nah doesn't really light me up dude like i'm just not gonna look forward to this you're my boy and stuff but i'm cool so yeah just just not taking it personally and just understanding like people have other things to do and if you don't fit into that or if you didn't sell it well enough then someone's going to say no and a lot of times Mm-hmm. probably I'm going to assume, because again, I don't really know your industry very well. When you're asking for money, sometimes you get nervous. Sometimes mm-hmm. your pitch just sucks. You know, you're yeah. asking somebody for a hundred thousand dollars or for a million dollars or for whatever, or whatever it may be. There is a lot on the line there. You get nervous, you screw up your pitch. You don't come off confident. You don't mm-hmm. come off like you believe in yourself and anybody who has any money is going to know, like, I'm not going to give money to somebody who sounds like they really don't believe in themselves. You know, and so That's get more so confident, get more mm-hmm. confident in what you're doing and also learn the art of selling, you know, yeah. like for a lot of people, sales doesn't come naturally. There are people who study sales, people who teach sales and teach courses online for sales and all that stuff like do that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the odds of somebody saying no to you are going to go down, you know, tremendously. I love that. And I love that because getting the word no, getting used to the word no is really important with grants, right? Because I tell them like, you know, even 85% success rate in grant writing is pretty good. So that means you're going to get some no's, right? Like you have to get the no's and the no's aren't necessarily bad because they give you feedback. You can reapply the next year, you know, you can keep pursuing, but if you just are like, oh my gosh, they said no. And then you go bury your head in the sand and you're like, I'm never going to do that again. 
you know, you have to go back again and reframe, you know, your, your grant or your, your solicitation letter or whatever you'll pitch them, you know, whatever that may be. It's a part of the learning lesson. And nonprofits don't advertise every time they were rejected for their grants. They only advertise when they secure them. Right. So that, you know, you think, oh, they're getting them all the time. Well, they might not be, but they're putting it out there all the time. So they're going to mm -hmm. have more yeses. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So it's a part yeah. of that. Like we got to you've got to be confident in your cause and not entitled for the yes. And then to take it personal. So I think those things that you just spoke about. So perfect. And I think a lot of people will benefit from that tremendously. Awesome. Now, yeah. Now I want to kind of transition over into the freelance space a little bit because we have a lot of people who are transitioning into freelance to becoming a freelance grant writer and to having their own consultancy or a nonprofit consultant, right? So they're, they're still going out there. They've got, you know, the money, they've got to get their mindset kind of wrapped around money in the right way too. And that's the first thing I talk about in my course and my books too is actually money mindset because if you don't have that, forget it. <laughs> like if you aren't clear on that. But, um, you know, when they go out then they're actually chasing the money, but they're also trying to get the clients. So can you kind of speak from that? Because a lot of times what I see is the hardest part of that. Well, the biggest challenge that a lot of consultants have is pricing, right? How do I price myself? And it goes back to value, time, joy, you know, money, all of that kind of thing, right? But how do you, um, you know, because you've been in the consultant space before, you've worked a lot with your own pricing on your different products that you sell. So, you know, how can people kind of understand Maybe not the science behind pricing, but the confidence and the value and the mindset behind that. Well, I mean, you have to value your work. If you're mm -hmm. good at what you do, you should be paid really well for what you do. There's no real like laws around pricing. You know, look at the competition mm -hmm. or look at others who are doing what you do. See what they're charging. You know, mm -hmm. people who are doing what you do are charging. I don't know. Like you got you get charged by the hour. Like, what do you do? What do you, yeah, I can do either hour or I do packages. So I gotcha. do like this many grants, this much research will right. be a package or so, I mean, hourly. If, mm -hmm. if your your standard consultant is getting two hundred bucks an hour, you don't want to be any less than two hundred bucks an hour. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think um, you know, if you feel like you're better or your 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 expertise is on a higher level than everybody else's, then you should charge more. And here's the funny thing about charging. It's um I remember reading this book called Influence by Robert Cialdini. I believe it's in the first chapter. And he's talking about, I want to say, it's been a long time since I read this, so I might botch this a little bit, but I think it was a gift shop in Sedona. And there were, um, underneath the glass there, there were necklaces, I believe. And somebody came in like, can I see that necklace? And, you know, the person pulled it out for him or for her. And she says, oh, wow, this is nice. She looks at the tag and it says $200. She says, I'll take it. And so he's like, okay. And he looked at the tag. He's like, oh, shoot. You know, in his mind, he goes, it's supposed to be $20, but somebody, <laughs> somebody uh, mislabeled this and it's 200 bucks, but okay, let's do this. And so the shop owner added, his, added a zero to all of the other tags for this necklace. And they mm -hmm. started flying off the shelf, you know? And so we have to, and the, the moral of the story there is, the more you charge, the more people value your service. And they mm -hmm. also believe that if you charge a lot, you must be really good. And right. so you're actually going to do, a lot of people think, hey, if I charge less, 
if I charge a mm. hundred bucks instead of 200 bucks, then it's going to guarantee that I get more clients. Well, number one, you start to feel bitter. You start to feel bitter <laughs> about the fact that you're only getting paid half of what everybody else is. And it's right. also kind of a, a chicken shit way to do business, really, mm -hmm. to charge, you know, to undercut everybody. So at least get paid what everybody else is getting paid. But I'm going to guarantee like the people who are getting the best clients and who are doing the best work and who feel the best about their work are the ones who are charging more than your standard consultants. And mm -hmm. that's usually how it is in, in most industries. And if somebody ever asked you like, how, how do you charge 400 bucks per hour when everybody else is getting 200 bucks per hour? And you just say, well, that's what I decided my worth is period. Right. And yeah. whatever you think, you know, don't let's, what does Lisa Nichols say? Don't let someone else's lack of resources compromise your value. I think it is. Right. And so if somebody yeah. can't afford you, they can't afford you. I'm sure they can go find somebody out there who's undercutting, but that client is not for you, you know? Right. Yeah. I love that. I, I heard it in another way, kind of the same, but in a different way was um, somebody had asked somebody, uh, you know, consulted, they said, Hey, do you, do you have scholarships? Can I pay half of it? Cause you'll get a lot of that too. Right. Can I just, you know, and she just said to them, she goes, you know what? I don't do that because then I won't show up a hundred percent. And if you want me to show up a hundred percent, you're going to charge, you're going to pay the $500 per hour. Cause that's what my worth is. Yeah. And I was like, that is such a polite way of saying no, <laughs> you know, I'm like lending more value. Like, and I've been using that. Like people will be like, you know, Holly, are you part of this? And I'm be like, you know, I just, I won't show up a hundred percent and you want me a hundred percent. And you know, I'm not going to be able to at that yeah. price or for that event or whatnot, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. and it's just like, people are like, oh, okay, I get that. Cause I, I don't want you at less than a hundred percent, you know what I mean? Right. To show up. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And some folks so just want to get, some folks are just, they just want to get a discount. They just, they, they say, it won't hurt if I ask, it won't hurt if I ask. And it doesn't hurt, right. but yeah. uh, the more you stick to it and say, no, I, I'm 500 bucks per hour. And I feel like I'm going to give you a hundred percent at that yeah. rate. And I'm not going to feel like I'm compromising myself to do this. I think people will all go, or most people will be like, all right, I like this. You know, they'll feel yeah. more confident in you than if mm -hmm. you said, oh, I'll take 400. Right. That, seems, that sounds um, desperate. It that does. Desperate. Yeah. And even if you're like, yay, in the moment, like the receiver, that's probably going to be tucked away in the back of your mind. Like, oh, I can get them to do less you know what I mean take less or whatever it's not that good of a thing so right. yeah I definitely think that's important and that's really good to lend like okay but what about the people who maybe they're not experts yet and they don't feel confident charging the same type because they're transitioning into the industry like they're starting up you know charge what you feel confident charging because you're gonna have mm -hmm. a hard time selling when you think you're charging too much you know, just, just yeah. do whatever you're going to get people. And, and this, this happens in my industry a lot. Like you're not charging enough, charge more, double that, triple that. Da, 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 da. But the person who was actually making the sale and, mm -hmm. you know, doing the sale, if they don't feel confident, they don't really feel like they're worth that. They're going to stumble all over themselves. And so, okay. you know, whatever yeah. you feel is right for you without being cheap. You know, yeah. if somebody said to you, Hey, hey Holly, you know, who does your hair? And you're like, oh, Donna does my hair. Oh, well, how much does Donna charge for that? And you're like, Donna charges $500 every time I go in. And the person you're talking to is like, oh, really? I do hair too. I'm really good. I can do something just like that. You say, well, how much do you charge? Well, I charge, I only charge 80 bucks. You'd be mm -hmm. like, nah, I'm cool. I'm yeah. going to pass on that one. 
you know, you're going to go to Donna because Donna's charging and you, you know, Donna and all that stuff. And so charge again, getting back to what I was saying, charge, you know, what you feel you're worth at the time, what feels comfortable to you. And when you get confident at selling at that rate and you feel it's time to boost that up, maybe you got some testimonials for your website and all that stuff. I know a lot of health coaches who will just do free stuff for a couple months mm -hmm. just to get their, their feet wet. And that's totally fine. Whatever makes you feel comfortable, whatever, again, get you some testimonials, get you some confidence, go ahead and do that. And then raise, steadily raise your price as you move along. But if it's two yeah. years later and you're still charging 50 bucks an hour, yeah, now we got a problem. I like that. I like that progression. And I've heard that before too. It's like um, this one lady, Honoré, I was telling you about her before and she had said, yeah, that's what I did in the beginning with my coaching is I said, I'm going to do three months for free and then we'll talk. If you're you know, happy with the ROI and everything, then, and that's how she got her foot in the door. Everybody that she had been coaching for the three months for free had increased their, their return on investment. They had done really well and they hired her and referred her to other people. So it was just like, you know, sometimes that's like you said, the way to get in the door. But if you keep doing that year after year and you know, you're still meeting with your clients for free and you're still giving it all away, then you aren't showing your value. So that's right. really important. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so before we get off here, I just I have a couple of questions from my members actually that they had sent over to me for you because I said, hey guys, I'm interviewing Sean Francis. <laughs> so, um, and some of this might be repetitive a little bit, but just to make sure that we get their questions out there. Um, this is from Tola, and she says, how to renew one's mind daily regarding abundance and money? What tips or strategies can one use to build abundance and money mindset? And I know you kind of briefly touched on that, but if you could just reaffirm that or if you want to add anything. Uh, visualization is going to be key. Another one is taking an index, an index card and writing down your goal on there and carrying that card everywhere you go and pulling mm -hmm. that thing out every day or every couple hours. You know, I'm so happy and grateful now that I have or I am or whatever it may be. You know, writing your goal as done, you know, in the, the present tense and just mm -hmm. looking at it. Every time you look at it, you just activate cells in your brain. And when you tell yourself something, and I, you know, I, I had to use the word lie, but a lie, when you tell it over and over and over and over and over and over again, at some point you start to believe that thing, you know, and, and that's just really like mm -hmm. your brain is actually starting to match the thing that you're going after. It starts to match your goal and it just kind of moves its way towards you. And so again, you can visualize you can mm -hmm. say affirmations you can have a goal card another one is to have a, an accountability partner that's mm, huge that's good. having somebody yeah, that's who huge. you share your goal with and you hold each other accountable and you meet once a week i want to say that increases your chances of, of reaching your goal by 93 percent. i want to say just that little thing for yeah. the accountability partner yeah accountability that's partners it, yeah yeah huge it's huge mm -hmm. and so do those things, you know, also read some books on money mindset. There's a book I just read recently called, uh, it's an old book. I'm not sure if you'll find it. Actually, it'll probably be on Amazon or eBay called um, Prospering Woman. Um, it was an excellent book. I just picked up at the dollar book sale a couple of weeks ago and it was always like, oh, this is a good one. Prospering Woman. Yeah. Are we going to read it? <laughs> no, you know what we read? Uh, yeah, what I found with, with our Rich Lit Society is, those little short books people like. Yeah. The yeah. thick books are too intimidating for people. So we just do a little hundred page books or whatever. And <laughs> we're just going to stick to those for a little while. Yeah. Okay. Get us, get us wet, get our feet wet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. yeah, yeah. 
Awesome. Okay, so I have another question, which that is really fantastic. I love your answer on that. All right. Oh, there it is. All right. Um, this individual, Meg uh, Taikinko, she's been a part of a nonprofit board for that's been so the nonprofit is Junior Achievement. They've been in existence for 45 years. Their board members have been there for a long time here on Guam. And but let's see, how to change the money mindset of an entire board that's been around for so long. So maybe they're doing the same fundraisers every year. Maybe they're just haven't, you know, they don't have that spark of inspiration. <laughs> that's a good question. Um, Cause now you're talking about like changing other people's minds. Um, yeah. Like a group dynamic, you know, that is not my specialty. Honestly, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm sorry, Meg. I don't know the answer to that question. I'm sure she'll be fine. But yeah, yeah, but I think maybe that goes back to being the individual who changes, right? If you, as an individual, can start working on this, then you may influence other people that you're around. Yeah, right? yeah. Leading by example, you know, all that mm -hmm. stuff. Um, yeah, that's a tough one when it's so deeply entrenched in an organization mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. I, I remember just as a, just a quick aside, I was the, um, I might even still be on the advisory board of the Price Pottinger Nutrition Foundation. And mm -hmm. it's run by, you know, a lot of older people who have just been doing this for the last 30, 40 years. And, you know, I was brought in there to kind of help them modernize their social media, their marketing, email lists and stuff like that. And it was just like, it was like talking to a brick wall. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? And it was yeah. just like, yeah. these, these I've been beliefs, on those boards, Sean. Yeah, yeah these like... beliefs were so deeply entrenched. Yeah. I'm just like, ah, I'm not sure what it's going to take to get through to these folks. Wow. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Cause that is something to, to think about. Right. Okay. So I think, let's see, I think I've gone through my questions and do you have last words of recommendations to, to um, the people in nonprofits or people who are looking at starting their own, well, their own freelance businesses? struggling with money mindset. So the, the more you improve your relationship with money and it, really improving your relationship with money isn't just about money. It's improving your relationship with yourself, you know, because mm. you are involved with money. It's just a relationship between the two of you. And you know, if you're in a relationship with another person, a lot of being in that relationship is actually working on yourself as well, becoming more aware of like how you are interacting in that relationship. And so a lot of this comes down to self-esteem, mm. self-worth, self-image, which are all pretty much the same thing. But if you have a low self-worth, you're never going to have a high net worth. You know what I'm saying? That's just, yeah. it's just because it doesn't match your consciousness. It doesn't match the way that you think and you feel about yourself. It's like when a poor person wins the lottery, you know, within mm -hmm. five years, they are broke. Why? Right. Because, because it was just so, that amount of money was so above their, their set points, you know, mm -hmm. their set point for money, their set point, point for themselves. And so, you know, while the money part is important, raising your self-esteem and your self-worth is huge. Like books like Psycho-Cybernetics, any of the self-esteem books by uh, Nathaniel Brandon, um, there's a small book that'll help tremendously on called um, How to Raise Your Self-Esteem. Um, excellent book, little book again, like that's the stuff that people really need to work on is like themselves because your money right. mindset is like your idea, your idea of money, your beliefs about money and the idea of yourself having more money and your idea and thoughts about people who have money. But right there in the middle is the idea of yourself 
having more money or raising more money for somebody else. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, become more self-aware and really, really work to improve your self-esteem. That's huge. Oh, I love that. That is fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love, I mean, it always goes back to that, right? Um, So yeah, so if you guys want to find Sean, and I will have all of the links to the books that you're, you're talking, even talking about on the podcast today. So I'll have those in the show notes, definitely. So yeah, please do check that out, listeners. And also you have the Money Mind Reset, which is an ebook downloadable right now that gives you five steps to changing your relationship with money. So if you're interested in um, how Sean's talking today and you're like, I want to get some more information, please do go to seancroxton.com to get that free ebook and see how you can take the first five steps to changing your relationship with money. And you're also on Instagram. So you're at Sean Croxton. Yeah. So S-E-A-N-C-R-O-X-T-O-N. Anywhere else, anywhere uh, that you want to lead people? Quote of the day. It's a quote of the day show. It's on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play. Did I say that one already? But yeah, so you'll find it wherever, whatever podcast platform you use. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean, for coming on today. So appreciate you. My pleasure, Holly. Do you want to join the Changemaker Tribe and get courses, downloadable checklists, samples of awarded grants, behind-the-scenes live Q&A with myself and the Tribe, and discounts on grant services? Be sure to join the Changemaker membership at www.grantwritingandfunding.com forward slash membership. Thank you for listening to this Grant Writing and Funding podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your time. For more questions, email Holly at holly at grantwritingandfunding.com or visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com.